Well, I was going to do a homily on the Sacred Heart, but I figured, no, let's save that for this evening. Although we are doing the Mass for the Sacred Heart, um, tonight we'll talk briefly about the Sacred Heart and do the devotion requirements that have asked by our Lord. So again, please join us tonight at eight for that. But I wanted to talk on some things on the gospel, uh, the gospel that we just read. And, and the reason why is because we have an understanding sometimes, and this is what one of the topics of this passage is, is about prayer. Now, before I go there though, our Lord talks about loving one another. You know, it's funny because in this world, it seems to be we come out naturally competitive and suspicious of people rather than loving them. You know, when I worked, uh, I worked for two large automotive tier one suppliers out of the Detroit area, TRW and American Axle. And I remember working as an engineer there and it was very much about destroying the competition be it Dana or Eaton or ZF or whatever the competitor was, it was always about crushing the competition. And you got into that mode of destroy the, the, you know, the people who would stop you from being on the top. And you know, um, th that's why I love working now for the church because now working for the church, um, it's so awesome. I, I mean, people who you would see as competitors, like great guys that are out there on the circuit, Stephen Ray, Deacon Harold Silvers and others. Instead, instead of competing with each other to get um, our word out there or our personal message out there, which is never the case, we all realize that it's God's message. So we're sharing this as brothers and sisters. So we help each other. We help each other. We promote each other. We promote the message um, I promote the message of Deacon Harold. I promote the message of Steve Ray. I promote the message of Teresa Tommy. I promote their messages. And they've done the same with our message of divine mercy. That's our message that we try to get out to the world, but it's not ours. It's God's. And so sometimes we are living in this world that we are supposed to be sent out to compete or dispute with each other. And Jesus says, no, we're sent out into the world to love one another. That's why the word apostle and disciple are actually different. We kind of use them interchangeably. The word disciple means to learn. So you first have to learn. And then the word apostle means to be sent out. So you're actually now Jesus is sending these guys out. Now, Jesus tells his, his followers that he does not call them slaves anymore. He calls them friends. Why? because a slave could never be a partner, all right? And the Bible, understanding of slavery is completely different than the 19th century uh, European slave trade. I've done whole talks on that. The Bible does not condone that, um, but that's a topic for another time. Now, a master never opened his mind nor his heart to a slave, although sometimes they were treated as family. This is true. The slave simply had to do what he was told without reason or explanation. Now, really, slavery in that sense is the basis, for instance, of Islam, which I'll be doing a talk tomorrow 
about other religions. Can other religions be saved? And, and what does the church teach on that? The church teaches there's no salvation outside of the Catholic church, but at the same time teaches non-Catholics can be saved. So how do we reconcile that? How do we reconcile that the church teaches there's no salvation outside the Catholic church, but at the same time says non-Catholics can be saved? Join us tomorrow at 11. <laughs> so we'll talk about that. Now, Christianity doesn't threaten people to join it. You join it or you're going to be killed. That's not how the church works. Please don't send me letters saying that's what the church did in the Inquisition. No, it was not. We need to know our history. I spend three hours a day answering um, YouTube comments and everything, and so many of them are misunderstandings of the real truth. The Inquisition was carried out predominantly by the nation states of Spain, France, and Italy. The church was not the predominant one carrying out the Inquisition nor putting people to death. But yet this is what people are told. The reason that Christianity thrives is because it doesn't threaten people to have to join it or they die. It draws, it attracts people. Actually, that's how God works. In fact, God brings a greater good. This is one of the reasons why the plague in the Middle Ages in Europe actually saved Europe. People are like, what? Yeah, a third of the population died, Father. How could you say that saved Europe? A tragedy, none, no, no question, but God brings a greater good. What greater good could have possibly come out of the plague? The reason was Europe was losing her faith. The church was in real jeopardy of disappearing, just like in a lot of ways, some ways today. And all of a sudden, here comes this plague, and people were getting sick. They were dying. But the dead the people who were near death and the people who were still alive witnessed what the priests and the nuns were doing. They were risking their life taking care of the sick. They didn't put themselves first and hide. They went out into the streets and cared for the sick people at disregarding their own safety. And this is why I keep talking about the coronavirus, that the churches should be open because we as priests, we have to understand that we are to be there for the people. If God so chooses that I get the virus and, and he removes me from this world, praise be God. But if it's not his will, then I will remain doing this ministry. But the nuns and the priests during the plague that took care of the people, it changed Europe because the people who were sick saw this. And they said, what is this faith? These people have an unbelievable faith. They, they have something I want. They have hope. They have, they're fearless. They're, they're in the midst of this, this, this uh, plague. They're taking care of me. And when the plague started to subside, they all became Catholic. They all became Christian. They all became a follower of God, the follower of the church, because they saw the witness that these priests and nuns were giving. That's powerful. That's what drew people to the faith, not threatening to behead them, but to draw them to the faith out of loving one another. That's the message of the gospel today. Jesus says, love one another. Now, the other thing I wanted to talk about is prayer, because Jesus says here, whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give you. Now, that is a very complicated statement because a lot of you are going to say, Father, I pray all the time and I don't get what I ask for. All right. Prayer is the foundation. 
But do we get all that we pray for? It says we do. But however, let's look at this. All right. First of all, prayer must have certain things, elements, in for it to be true prayer. First of all, prayer must be of faith. All right. If it is a formality that you're just saying the words, sometimes we can get into that pattern. It's merely now become a repetition of words. It's not going to be answered in the way we want. When prayer is without hope, it cannot be effective. You have to pray from the heart. There is little use in us praying if we don't hope or believe that it can be given. You know, this is powerful. Uh, there is little use in us praying to be changed if we don't think it is possible or we don't want to be changed. How many of us, if we're struggling with alcohol or drugs or, or addictions, want to be changed? Do we really want to be made transformed by God? All right, next. Prayer must always be through Christ. Notice in the Mass, we always said, finish our prayers by saying, through Christ our Lord, amen. In the Mass, we say that throughout it. We do our prayers and then we say, through Christ our Lord, amen. We must, prayer must be through Christ. We cannot pray for things we know that Jesus would disapprove of. All right, we can't pray that we should have some forbidden thing, like somebody praying somebody else's marriage breaks up so that we can now have their spouse. That's not a prayer, all right? We can't pray that some personal ambition should be given to us if that means that somebody else will be hurt. Like, for instance, you want to become the manager, so you pray that somebody else gets fired. And now they're homeless or without a job or without means or sustenance. And so that's not the kind of prayer that will be answered in the way we want it to be. All right. Whenever we try to turn prayer into something to enable us to satisfy our own desires, it will be ineffective. One of the classic examples, I think, comes from the sports world. You always hear about these backup players waiting on the bench and you always got to wonder, you know, hopefully none of them are praying that the starter gets hurt so that they can get in the game. I mean, that's a natural tendency. Um, but you want to not think that that's what they're hoping for or praying for. You know, for a backup quarterback to be praying that the starting quarterback gets severely injured so he gets to play may not necessarily be the best thing to pray for, or even that they pray, play really bad and the team loses and the backup is happy because then they'll get to play the next game. That's not how it works. All right. Now, next, we must pray thy will be done. We must realize that we never know better than God. So don't pray thy will be changed. Pray my will be changed. This to unite with God's will. But this is his will that you pray God's will be done. That's why the, the our father, thy will be done on earth as it is in he heaven. Not my will be done on earth as it is in heaven, because it usually isn't done in heaven the way <laughs> your will is done here on earth. All right, next. Prayer must not be selfish. You ever hear that passage where two or more are gathered in my name 
means I am there. And you say, well, gee, Lord, does that mean when I pray by myself, it's not effective? No. But what it means, here's the message of that. Why does Jesus tell us where two or more are gathered in his name, the prayer now enters into a new level of effectiveness? Why is that? All right. What that means is no man, when he prays, should think entirely of himself. When we're with others, we engage in other supplication. Like when we pray the rosary together at the Marian Helper Center uh, or the chaplet, let's say at three o'clock, we pray for the intentions of other people. But I notice when I pray by myself, sometimes it's my intentions. I forget about the intentions of others. So Jesus says, pray two or more are gathered in my name. It's powerful because now we're forced to think of the other. That's loving the other, the message of this passage. All right. You know, for instance, what do I mean by this? Think of the other. Well, for instance, what about rain? Is rain a good thing? Should you be praying for rain? There's actually a mass in the missile to pray for rain. Now, that's interesting because, yeah, the farmer might definitely be praying for rain because of his crops. But the wedding planner might be praying for sunshine because the wedding planner and the bride would have a disastrous day if it pours, pours rain. So you see, the farmer should think about that person getting married when he's praying only for rain, and the person getting married who's praying only for sunshine should think about the, pray, the farmer whose crops are being ruined. You see the point there? We're part of the body of Christ. So this is powerful. When we pray, we must ask not only is this for my good, but is this the good, in the good for all? Very powerful. The greatest temptation of all when we pray is to pray as if nobody else is factored into the equation. It's human tendency. All right. So finally, I want to finish with why didn't God answer my prayers? <laughs> okay. All right. So are all prayers answered? Actually, yes. Not just exactly, though, the way maybe you want. All right, so all prayers are answered, but sometimes the answer is no. All right, what do I mean by that? Because, as we said, what we ask for may not be the best in God's plan for us. Maybe he has something better. For instance, we have a guy that's working for us that has been looking for a girlfriend. And it's funny because... Whenever that happens, you got to ask yourself, well, maybe if you're not finding that spouse, are you called to something different to serve the Lord? Maybe called to be a religious or a priest or a hermit somewhere. Who knows? Maybe God has a greater plan. God doesn't grant apparent goods, but only those things that are truly better for us. So maybe instead of just saying, God, send me a spouse, you might pray, Lord, keep my heart open. Are you calling me to a vocation? Are you calling me to the vocation of the single life? Or are you calling me to the vocation of the religious life? Where there wouldn't be a earthly spouse, but you would be my spouse. Wow, that's powerful. All right, sometimes God answer may be no, as I just explained, but sometimes his answer is just wait. Because God's timing is not always our timing. Praise God that he had me wait on my priesthood. If I would have come into the priesthood right after high school, I would have never made it. There's no way. 
because I wasn't ready. I, I would have wondered what's it like to live in the world, to have a job, to have a house and, and, and date and, and be part of paying a mortgage and, 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 and living in a neighborhood and having these things. If God would have brought me in right after high school, I would have never made it because I would have wondered what are those things like? God knew what he was doing with me. He said to wait. So his waiting led me then to the priesthood more at a time when I was ready. And I think many people fall in that category. All right, God knows what you need before you ask him. All right, then why ask? If God knows what's best for us, and he knows before we ask him, why bother asking? Because he awaits our petition given to him freely. When he hears it from us, even though he knows what's best for us, that honors our dignity as his children in freedom. Because we freely ask for it. He's not telling us what's best for us. We're asking him out of freedom. Then he can honor it. You know, sometimes God waits for us to pray before giving us what we pray for. Because what we need most is the prayer. Remember, the prayer isn't for God, it's for us. So sometimes God waits, us, waits for us to pray before answering our prayer and asking what we ask for, because what we need most is the prayer itself, not the thing we're praying for. What we need is the prayer, the patience, the conformity of our will to God's will. Prayer provides all that. So that's sometimes why God waits for us to pray. Because it's in prayer that we, we find our closeness to him, our patience, and joining our will to his. That is powerful. So God waits with his answer in order to make us also pray without ceasing. The Bible says pray without ceasing. This is a way we can do that. It's to elicit our love. All right, so are you asking God what is good for you? Or are you rather telling him what is good for you? Prayer doesn't change God, right? It changes us. So we all need it. The catechism says prayer does not require wisdom or saintliness because it is for fools and for sinners. Everybody needs to pray. Everybody should pray. Prayer only requires love, faith, hope, and humility. Did you hear that? Prayer only requires love, faith, hope, and humility. Humility is the foundation. What is best for me? Prayer is most effective also when we don't feel like it. People always say, well, Father, I don't pray because I feel like a hypocrite. I don't pray because if I pray that I end up being chased and I'm not going to live a life of immorality, and then I break it, I'm a hypocrite. So I don't even bother, Father. I don't even bother asking our Lord, because I know I'm going to be a hypocrite. No, that's the devil. Remember, God is using you as a work in progress. The surest test of love for you is your time. Jesus said in Insinu Jesu that the currency of friendship is time. If you want to be God's friend, give him your time. You know, the big four times to pray. We can't pray 24-7, even though it says pray without ceasing. Think of the big four times to pray in your day. 
Here are the four times, if you can pray no other times, just give a minute to prayer these four times of the day. When you wake up, at meals, when receiving the sacraments, and when you go to bed. If you could do just a few minutes, five minutes each of those times, the saints tell us we should get a minimum, absolute minimum of 15 minutes a day. I mean, you should have way more than that, but at least 15. If you did five minutes when you wake up, five minutes, well, not even five minutes at meals, just let's say five minutes when you wake up, a brief prayer at meals, five minutes when you receive the sacraments, and five minutes when you go to bed, you've done that. It's powerful. Also pray before major decisions. Jesus prayed before deciding who the apostles would be, before going out on his mission, before major things, pray. The bottom line is, this is our link to God. So praise be all of you, and tonight at eight, we're going to pray. And we're going to fulfill our Lord's request to make reparation to his most sacred heart for the sins and ingratitude of mankind. This is why he said he can't shower mercy on the world because his heart is wounded. That sacred heart is where the mercy comes from, the blood and the water. Tonight, we are going to pray with you so that that mercy of God can pour out of his heart when we make reparation to it. Allow it to pour the blood and water upon you, your loved ones, and the world. So God bless you. Through prayer, we beg our Lord his mercy. Amen. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Are you a Marian Helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.